I don't know about you guys, but I don't have all that great of a memory. Some say it's because at an early age the cheese slipped most of the way off the cracker already. There's probably a lot of reasons why. But I remember, like, events. I remember days, but I don't remember, like... I mean, I remember, like, our anniversary, August 1st. I remember Mitzi's birthday, 523. The year doesn't matter. I remember these things, okay? But, but I, don't, I don't always remember exactly when something happens, but I remember what happened. And so here's what I remember about this story I want to share with you this morning. Dylan was five. I don't remember if it was a Monday or a Tuesday. I think it might have actually been like a Thursday, but I don't know for sure. I don't even remember the month because we debate this just about every year. Um, but I remember I went to pick him up from school. It was in kindergarten. And he was five years old, and he looked rough. Uh, his eyes were all kind of googly-eyed. He just was like floating everywhere. His face was just kind of drawn in. He was, he was just, he didn't look right. Um, I mean, he's funny looking. He gets that from my side of the family. But... He just didn't look right. And Mitzi had been having a conversation with his school nurse um, leading up to this day about he hadn't been acting right and, and physically some things were going on. And she finally said that she said, hey, I think he may have diabetes. I can test him in my office. We can just do a quick blood sugar test. We can see what, what it says. So we're like, okay, what's that take? So you're going to prick his finger and we're going to take a little blood and we're going to check it. I said, okay. So we go in her office. She has a spare meter. She does this. And this little meter, this little electronical device says hi, H-I, all right? And so there's a, you guys, most of you know, there's a cynical side of me that's like, oh, well, hi back, you know? <laughs> Obviously, it says hi, what does that mean? And she's like, oh, that means on this particular meter, his blood glucose level is over 600. Uh, that's bad, all right? And at that point, even though I'm not a doctor, I knew it wasn't good. I said, what do we do? And, and I remember at that point, starting to just shake. I admit he was shaking. We, we just... I was like, all right, what do we do? She said, you just need to go to the emergency room. Oh, it's that easy. So we get in the car and we drive over to Children's Emergency Room here in Huntsville. And um, we spent the next five days uh, basically drinking through the fire hose of learning what it is to have type 1 diabetes in your family and, and what that means to us. Now, fast forward, um, as we grow with diabetes, as we learn with diabetes, we go through this, this, this time in our life and Dylan um, gets a diabetic alert dog. His name is Jack. And, and Jack is amazing. He's the only good dog out there ever, all right? Um, and and, and they, they serve well together. That Dylan helps other kids get dogs. And it's not a sermon about Dylan, I promise. It's not. Um, and I'll, I'll get to why I'm telling you this story in a second, so just stay with me. But um, they, we have Jack for several years. Well, March 6th, Jack passes away unexpectedly, Okay. And, and that was another rug pulled out from underneath our feet. Um, and, and it was tough because we didn't know what to do. We, we, had, we had become this team where the three of us plus Jack, like, we did okay. Dylan's A1C had come down considerably from having the assistance of Jack. Uh, to, and, and Jack was amazing because he could smell when Dylan's blood sugar would start to go higher or low. He would alert on him. Dylan would check his sugar. We'd do things appropriately, and it was great. Um, but then Jack passes away. And... The, the whole point of why I say all that on a Mother's Day sermon, if you will, where actually I'm going to talk about Ruth and Naomi, by the way. I'm not just going to talk about my family for the next hour um, or two. But I share that with you, one, in a moment of transparency and, and in a time of just, um, just letting you know that 
we're human. And, and in those times, I remember those times specifically, um, Dylan being diagnosed with diabetes and Jack dying. I remember in those times very specifically thinking it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I remember being completely caught off guard by both things. We knew Jack wasn't feeling well. But the night before he passed away, he meets me in the hallway at 2 o'clock in the morning. He alerts on me. I checked Dylan's sugar. It was high. And he wouldn't even take the, the reward that he gets. Like, you know, he's a dog. They eat anything, anytime. And he, he ate my brother-in-law's sandwich right off the plate at Thanksgiving dinner. But he wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take his reward. I knew something was not right then. And then it was the next evening when he passed away. And, and I was remember thinking again, it's not fair. It's not fair. But then I read about Ruth and Naomi specifically. And for those of you who aren't familiar, there's four chapters in the book of Ruth. I really want to challenge you this week to read those four chapters because it's a great story. But here's the thing. And I had them on the, on the list, but, but it was that time frame where I start planning ahead and I start reading these stories. And I'm reading through the book of Ruth while this is happening with Jack back in March. And what, what lays on my heart is this. Like it or not, unexpected things happen. Like it or not, you will get distracted by life. Naomi and her family, and I'll, I'll get into this more in just a second, they, they were in Moab. And her sons meet these two Moabite women, and they fall in love, and they get married. And, and then her sons die. All right? Naomi's sons die. Then Naomi's husband passes away. And you're thinking, this is the worst Mother's Day sermon I've ever heard. Can you get to something good? <laughs> You know, here I am thinking about our own situation, and I'm reading through the book of Ruth to prepare for this sermon back in March, and I'm like, man, unexpected things happen. We get distracted. Satan will come at us from every angle to distract us. But here's the thing. When the unexpected happens, we have a choice to make. I found in my life that when the unexpected pops up, and when that happens, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to have emotions. But when I fix my eyes on God, when I, when I look at his character and at the ways that he's brought my family and I through hard times in the past, my faith is strengthened. It's encouraged. It's, it's sorry, it's encouraged. <laughs> Confidence and joy begin to knock on my heart. And I got to tell you, those are much better residents in your heart than fear and doubt and the false hope that we put in ourselves. And in a nutshell, that's what I picked up on from Naomi's situation and from the way that Ruth loved her. And, and in this book, this Old Testament book of Ruth, is this heartwarming story of Ruth and her mother-in-law. Yes, people do love their mother-in-laws. By the way, I'm going to brag about myself a little bit. I was the first of all the kids to wish my mother-in-law Happy Mother's Day today. I'm really the favorite. When the book of Ruth, these two women face these unexpected and difficult circumstances as well as an uncertain future. Naomi's two sons passed away. Her husband died all unexpectedly. And in that time frame, she had nowhere else to go. She instantly goes from, like, like it's one thing if your husband passes away in, in this time frame, your sons are going to take care of you. Their families are going to take care of you. She lost everybody. It's her and her two daughter-in-laws. And so this happens, and they have this uncertain future. She doesn't know what to do. So following the death of her husband and her sons, Naomi says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my homeland. It's time to go back to Israel and um, to Bethlehem in specific. 
So she says to her daughters-in-law, she frees them. She says, you are free to stay here in your home country. You're young. You can stay in Moab. You can remit. You have my blessing. You owe me nothing. And Ruth refused to leave Naomi's side. She was determined. She was loyal. Ruth held tightly to this mother-in-law, Naomi, that she loved deeply. And she also held tightly to the God of Israel, whom she now called her own. You see, our natural tendency sometimes in hard times is to often try to just go at it alone. Like I said earlier, I've learned from Ruth and from my own experience that during these turbulent times, it's vital that we hold fast to our faithful God because he will be faithful to us and to the ones that we love who God has put in our life. I believe that Ruth was put in Naomi's life for a specific purpose, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to jump in at Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. And this is after what I've just summarized for you. And, and Naomi has said to her, to her girls, you may go back to your family. And here's what we have. And she said, this is Naomi, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. I love this statement. For where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She goes on as if that's not enough of a declaration of life change. She goes on, she says, where you die, I will die. And where and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Listen, in this moment, this everything has been turned upside down moment for these ladies. God breathed hope into the souls of Naomi and Ruth through a man named Boaz, which I think is a great name for somebody that's going to save the day. It's a good hero name. In the book of Ruth, it tells the story of Boaz being what they call the kinsman redeemer and how God lovingly cared for and blessed Naomi as he used this friendship and kindness of Ruth to renew her life and sustain her. Uh, I'm going I'm to paraphrase a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to catch up to this verse here. So, Verses 2 through 3 talk about how Ruth went to work when they got to uh, Israel. And she started working to provide for Naomi. And, and basically, there weren't a lot of job opportunities for young women in that time um, if you weren't raised in a family and, and doing like what the family would do. And so they, they had provisions set aside for these situations. And the provision was Ruth legally was allowed to walk behind men who were harvesting in the field and pick up whatever they left behind. And, and actually, a lot of the farmers would leave a little bit of an, of an edge that they would leave unharvested for those types of uh, benevolent purposes. And so Ruth is out every day, and she's, she's gleaning from this field. And the man who owns the field takes notice of her. He says to his workers, who is that? And they say, oh, that's, that's Ruth. She's, she's uh, Naomi's daughter-in-law. And, and they, they catch him up on the story. And he basically says, well, have her come have lunch with us. And so she comes and has a lunch with them. And, and they talk, and he, he says to her after lunch, he says, you may pick from any of my fields freely. You're doing a good thing. May God bless you for taking care of your mother-in-law. And then she left, and he told his workers, he said, hey, not only can she pick from any of our fields and nobody messes with her, but I want you to, to take some of what you've harvested and see to it that it kind of ends up with her stuff that she's piling up. She had her own little stockpile going. And at the end of one day, she had like six ephahs of grain, which is a lot of grain, by the way. So I, don't know, I don't know how she carried it. It's a lot of grain. 
Um, and Naomi was like, where'd you get all this? And she's like, I gleaned in Boaz's field. And Naomi's like, whoa, God is blessing us. And she's like, hey, uh, what can we do? And long story short, Boaz, uh, because he is loosely related to Naomi's family, he, he plays this card. It's called the Kinsman Redeemer. And they, they requested of him, hey, would you be our Redeemer? And what would happen back then is if, if you had a family and your husband passed away, his brother would take you and your kids in and he would just care for you and, and he would help you with, with whatever you needed. And that's essentially what the kinsman redeemer did. And, but it was a legal proceeding and they found out, hey, there's another person who is more kinsman redeemer than Boaz, if you will. And so Boaz went to that guy and he said, hey, you can have all this. It's, it's all the land of Naomi. If you want to buy it, it was her husband's. And um, he said, yeah, I think I do. He goes, but if you buy it, you're also taking care of Naomi and Ruth for the rest of their life. And he said, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> we'll keep going. Uh, he said, no, well, hold on. And Boaz says, if you don't want to, I will step in. I'm the next in line. I will be the kinsman redeemer. I will bring this, this, uh, this good thing into their life. And so they made an agreement. They swapped sandals. That's what you did back then. You, you have an agreement with someone. You take off your shoe and you give them your sandal and you made a deal. And so... That's how that worked. Um, and then it brings us to this verse. And, and this, is, this is about Ruth and Boaz after they have uh, gone through all those legal pre- this is This is several years. This is not just like, boom, here it is. Um, they have gone through uh, this kinsman's redeemer thing. They, have, they actually got married and they've begun to have children. And here's what, here's what it says. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And they're speaking to uh, Naomi, and your, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And, and so here's, here's how this goes, all right? Naomi has traveled back to Bethlehem. She's broken. She's depressed. She's homeless. Essentially a hopeless widow. But she was comforted and restored by the loving hand of God. Like Naomi, when we experience difficult times, we have to choose to trust God. I don't know about you, but some days I choose well to trust God, and some days I choose not so well. But choosing to trust in our God is essential to how we will bloom and how we will grow. No matter what's going on in our lives, when we make the choice to trust God, we make the choice to honor God, it changes everything. When we make the choice to trust in God, we will always bloom after the storm. So here's the question. How can we choose to trust God? I found that my courage to trust God is only solid when it starts with spending time in his word and praying. I've had people come to me and say, man, I'm going through this really hard time. And I'm like, hey, you need to trust God. I do, I do. Okay, have you, have you read some scripture? Have you read some of the Psalms? Have you, have you looked at some of the Proverbs? Have you looked at his word for some encouragement? No, no, but I trust that he's going to take care of this. I'm going through a hard time. Have you prayed? No, that's why I came here, so you can pray for me. Okay, and I will. But if we're going to anchor ourselves into anything, we need to anchor ourselves into God and into his word. No matter what challenges you face, no matter what challenges you face today, Take comfort that God knows every issue on your heart. And he's able to shoulder those burdens with you and for you. Hold fast to the faithful one. Let me tell you something. Your challenges, 
I don't know what you're going through, but whatever you may be going through in life does not fall outside of the scope of God's ability to intervene. God is, he's, he's powerful, he's mysterious, he's able, when you, let, when you lift your eyes up to him, he's able to lift us from our situation. And when you fix your eyes on the Savior, when you choose to trust in Jesus Christ, you will find peace in the pain and the strength and in the struggles. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 6 says this, and this is, I like to caveat this with, I don't care what's happening in your life. I don't care who hurt you. I don't care about your physical pains. I don't care about your diagnosis. I don't care about your type 1 diabetes. I don't care that your dog died. I do. But listen, even my little kindergartners today were like, we're sad Dylan's dog died. Can we pray? And we started off our class praying for Dylan's dog, and it was back in March. And so trust in the Lord. I'm talking to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I do care. I don't care what you're going through is the point. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. I don't care what you're going through. Because in the glimpse and in the reality that we live in, what you're going through is momentary. It's not going to last forever. What will last forever is God. And the relationship you have with him can last forever. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways, your good ways, your bad ways. Do you get that? All your ways, acknowledge him. Your sad ways, your broken-hearted ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. That means, John, or Seth, or Leonard, anybody else I want to call out, not just me, I'm not the only one. When I get off path and I start to zigzag a little bit, and I start doing stupid stuff, Andy, I'm bring you in on this with me. When this happens, and we trust in God, He will make our path straight. He will put us back where we need to go. I do care what you're going through. All right, I'm not heartless. I do care. <laughs> He's over making faces at me. You can't see him. I do care. But more than that, I care that whatever you're going through, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You know why? Because on my own understanding, I'm a moron and so are you. On your own understanding, you don't know squat. I'm sorry. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge Jesus Christ. Lean not on your own understanding. He will make your path straight. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. God is concerned about all people, regardless of your race, your nationality, your status. Uh, listen, Ruth was not a Jew. In, in any other time frame, a Moabite woman going to a Jewish man and saying, will you bless me? The answer would have been no. But because God is intervening here and he has a plan, this all works out because she wasn't a Jew. She was a Moabite. And even though many people discriminated against her, God loved her just the same. God doesn't discriminate. He loves all people just the same. Men and women are equally important to God. God cares about men. He cares about women all the same. We're all one in his eyes. Listen, there are a lot of religions that have been constructed over the centuries that elevate men and dishonor women. There are a lot of them. I'm not going to get into it, but it's just there. Christianity is, is the one religion that consistently honors men and women at the same level. There's no difference in his eyes. There's no such thing as an unimportant person in God's eyes. Granted, everybody has a different job to do, but there's no unimportant person in God's eyes. And at a surface level, 
few people saw Ruth as an important person. They saw her as a widow. They saw her as, as a tag-along to Naomi, probably working the system of, of, of handouts that was set up in that time. She was from Moab. It was a nation that actually originated from an incestuous encounter between Lot and one of his daughters back in Genesis chapter 19. Okay? If the, if the, the Jewish people were going to turn their nose up at anybody, it would be Moabite people. She was a poor widow. She was living in a foreign land, away from her birth family, but God saw her as important. And his plan for her life culminated in her becoming a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ as the grandmother to King David. I'm like, yeah, now that's a story that's taken a turn. This is awesome. God's plan typically involves using people who are considered to be underdogs, who are considered by most to be unimportant or unimpressive from man's perspective. We need to remember that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians verse 12. He talks about his thorn in the flesh. And in in verse 9, he shares God's response to this issue. He's talking to God about his thorn in the flesh, his his discrepancies, what he can't do on his own. And here's what God says. He said to me, and God says this, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Essentially, that was God saying, Lean not on your own understanding. (laughs) Focus on me, I will make your path straight. He goes on and says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Folks, God uses little things to accomplish great plans. I've been accused of overselling things in the past. But when I see how God has taken little things and done amazing work through them, I like to brag. I think it's worthy to share. I want to share something with you. Actually, I asked, I asked Lindsay Ellingwood to share something with you this morning. And, and I did it. Come on up. I did it like this. I said, hey, Lindsay, I want you to share some stuff, but I don't want you to really prepare about it beforehand. I just want you to, to share from your heart about an experience. Um, there's a couple things you need to know. I've known Lindsay um, since she was in high school, okay? And, and, um, and Lindsay's awesome. I just want to tell you that. Uh, she is. Um, and she puts up with Andy. Um, she's, <laughs> she's put up with me since she was like a junior in high school. So, um, but I've watched Lindsay grow and, and change into a dynamic Christian young woman. And, and there are parts of her life that kind of remind me of the story of Naomi and Ruth. And, and here's why. And I told her this the other day. I said, I want you to just talk about this. There's a person who came into Lindsay's life when she was a teenager. And in my opinion, through almost a lifetime of little things, Lynn has invested greatly into Lindsay, and I just want Lindsay to share with you a little bit about that investment and, and some of the things, because Lindsay was doing a lot of stuff on her own, and this, this woman of God came in and spoke truth and love into Lindsay's life. And uh, so anyhow, I'm going to stop talking. You go ahead. Um, I'll try not to get too emotional, but um, I read through the book of Ruth this week as John asked me to share about Lynn and the influence she has on my life. And I kind of see reverse roles. Uh, Lynn was committed to not leave my side um, when I needed somebody, a mom in my life, to help me through certain situations. And um, she just started out as my friend's mom. I didn't really know her very well. I knew my friend very well. And we did lots of things together. And... um, uh, high school years kind of came to an end. My friend's two years older than I am. Um, he was off at college, and um, when it came time for me to go to college, 
Um, I had made the decision also to uh, finish a semester at a community college where I was dual enrolled, but then I moved on to FCC. And while I was at Florida Christian College, um, my relationship with Lynn really grew. Um, I just needed her more. I needed someone to talk to, to trust, to um, ask questions to, um, different things. And um, one summer, as semesters, as school was coming to an end and we were going into summer, um, I didn't have anywhere to live because my mom, my, my real mom, had moved and said, you're on your own. And I was like, well, I have a job, I know that, and all this other things, but I didn't have anywhere to live. And Lynn was like, just come live with me. And I'm like, I don't know if that's okay. I mean, you know, I guess. And um, some other things, I was um, just in a lot of need that summer. I needed to go to the dentist almost weekly. Um, and Lynn was there through every single aspect of it and she loved me like her own child she showed god's kindness to me um to this day she still does we're part of her family um in all aspects and she just has never abandoned um me andy joshua um and she has two kids of her own and she always includes me as her daughter and then i have robin as a sister and a daughter to Lynn, who's not her daughter either, but she is 100% Lynn's mom as well, or Robin's mom as well. And um, she just really has played that role of um, showing God's kindness and love. And so um, here on Mother's Day, I just want everyone to be encouraged that even if you are not a mom, if you are showing God's love and kindness to somebody, you are impacting someone's life as if you are their mom. Amen. See, things happen unexpectedly. Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing with us. Um, what an amazing plan God had for a series of little things that all added up to the important pieces in God's big plan. Lindsay, because of Lynn, and this is stuff that Lindsay won't tell you about herself because that's just how she is, but she has planted seeds of God's truth and love into the hearts of kids all over the place, um, most of them under the age of five. And, and they remember the stuff that she says and that she teaches them. And I've, I've watched her in various children's ministry opportunities and, and even in how she invests in our own Cosmic Rays and our Galaxy Kids but the point is this, because Lynn was willing to mentor and love and disciple, and she was committed to being with Lindsay throughout life. Their relationship has bloomed. But more importantly than that, Lindsay's relationship with Christ has bloomed. So my question for you is this, how about you? Are you willing to make the investment in someone else? It may only be for a couple of years, but you may be the mentor, the disciple, the, the whatever that this person needs for just a couple of years. It may end up being a, a lifetime friendship where, where now, what does Josh call Lynn? Nina. Nina, where now she goes from being Lynn to Nina, and she has no identity except Josh's Nina when she comes into Huntsville. <laughs> Are you willing to make that investment in someone else so that they can bloom in Christ? That's what this whole story of Ruth and Naomi is about. Naomi intended for Ruth to leave her, to go back to her own people after Ruth's husband passed away. Ruth intended to stay and care for her mother-in-law. That's all she was going to do. 
claiming Naomi's God as her God. But God intended for Ruth to be a part of the story, the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. And so he orchestrated events like the famine that originally took Naomi's family all the way to Moab, where they had food. They returned to Bethlehem, Boaz's bloodline, all these different events just to ensure that Ruth could be a part of his plan. And God does the same thing in our lives today. He has a redeemer in place for us who can rescue us from the devastation of our own famine, our own sin. God has a redeemer for our lives too. His name is Jesus. You see, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. the, The Bible calls him a prophetic Christ, if you will. And he redeemed Ruth and Naomi from what would have been a desolate situation. So what does this story have to do with you and I blooming and growing? Well, the reality is that at some point we all find ourselves desolate as a result of our sin. We're empty. But just as Naomi was empty and devastated after she lost her husband and her sons, basically everything she lost and she returns to Judah broken, our sin has rendered us empty just the same. Our sin renders us desolate spiritually. God sent his son Jesus to be our final redeemer. And because of Christ, because of his redemptive work in our lives today, because Jesus is willing to redeem us, he wants to rescue us from the penalty of our sin. And all we have to do to be rescued is to call on him. Look at Romans 10, verses 13 through 17. And as I read this, I want you to think about the story of Naomi and Ruth that I've, that I've kind of summarized for you today. But also I want you to think about your current situation For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, Naomi and her family may have went to a foreign land. But while they were there, because of this famine, they were there. um, They did not turn to foreign gods. They honored the God of Israel. And even though their sons married the women from this land, these women also turned themselves to God. You see, Ruth declared that Naomi's God would be her God. I want to encourage you that no matter where you find yourself, no matter what desolate situation, preach the good news. Naomi shared God with Ruth, and ultimately Ruth was redeemed by by Boaz and became the grandmother of David. My hope is that you also are one of his redeemed. If you're not, my prayer is that you'll, you'll call on him because you have heard the good news this morning. How you respond to God's word is up to you. I want to encourage you, though, Be committed like Ruth to do whatever it takes to be redeemed. There were steps to her being redeemed by Boaz. There were certain certain historical things, certain cultural things that she had to do. And she did those things. She was committed to do whatever it takes to be redeemed. Maybe for you, the first step for that is to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, Christian... You'd like some prayer, some accountability as you call on the name of the Lord to set some things right in your life. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you this morning. But however you respond to God's word this morning, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to his word accordingly?